A strong vocabulary does not come automatically. There are so many myths and misconceptions surrounding vocabulary instruction, from the belief that reading alone suffices to grow this area, to the myth that memorization is the absolute only way for students to acquire vocabulary. This episode today is all about debunking common misconceptions and highlighting the need for structured vocabulary instruction, and also ensuring that you are incorporating different ways to embed vocabulary outside of the standard way. So I'm ready to dive in. I will meet you inside. Welcome to the Literacy Dive podcast, a podcast for educators who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing instruction. I'm your host, Megan, a true lover of all things literacy. Join me each week as we dive into teaching tips, engaging ideas, and actionable step-by-step strategies and examples to help you close the gap and lead confidently with best practices. I'm all about keeping things simple and digestible so that you can implement what you learn here as soon as tomorrow. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive podcast. Last week, we talked all about the vital role of vocabulary and the impact that it plays on our students. Now, if you haven't listened to that episode, be sure to tune in to episode 145-145 to learn more about the role of vocabulary and why it is so important in our upper elementary classrooms. After that episode, I'm sure it kind of heightened vocabulary on that important priority list. And now that the focus on vocabulary is top of mind, I want to talk through four misconceptions around vocabulary. This is truly important to tackle because if we hold on to everything that we have heard or read as true without researching and fact-checking, then you will find yourself doing or not doing a certain action or practice. Last week, I also shared a link to a small vocabulary sample that I put together for you that showcases vocabulary in a different format, applying vocabulary into a writing prompt so that your students are working on writing skills but having to apply the level of comprehension needed to reply accurately. So you can grab the free sample that is great for grades two through six in the show notes or head to theliteracydive.com slash vocabulary. I really want to just dive into vocabulary strategies and ideas. I know that if you follow me and have followed for some time, you know that I love giving actionable tips. But I also realize that if you're holding on to any misconceptions as true, then you will probably feel like the strategies shared are not going to work for you, and that's going to result in you not trying them. So today, we're going to go into debunking these myths, and then I will be able to share some strategies with you. So myths surrounding vocabulary instruction have been floating around for ages, creating these unnecessary hurdles for children. Some people really do think, hey, if my student is reading, they're learning vocabulary, right? Or they might be thinking flashcards are the one-size-fits-all approach and solution to vocabulary. We're going to kill and drill this, and then they're going to just know it. 
But only relying on students reading text or implementing a weekly vocabulary test where students have to match five to 10 words to definitions are not going to be the key to students acquiring vocabulary. We simply cannot rely solely on reading to obtain vocabulary acquisition. And while reading is incredibly important and it's an incredible vehicle for learning, Having students depend on it solely for growing their vocabulary can be like expecting to become a chef just by eating the food. It's just not that simple. Let's break this down. A chef has to interact with the different spices, fruits, vegetables, meats, and so forth, and that chef has to know the properties of them to know if a certain cuisine is going to be desired by others And that comes from truly understanding what you are dealing with. The meal has to make sense, you know? A chef has studied the ins and outs of each item used, and from that in-depth understanding and research can make an award-winning menu. Students need more than just reading words inside of a book. Imagine a student reading and stumbling upon the word ephemeral in a book. Without proper guidance or context, they might gloss over it, missing out on a beautiful word that describes something that's fleeting or lasting for a very short time, which is what that word means. While reading exposes students to words, it's actually the rich discussions, focused instruction, and usage that embeds those words into their memory. So while reading is a critical component, it's just one place that vocabulary lives, the implicit instruction is still needed. Now it's time for a reality check on the word memorization. And I'm sharing this because in my early teaching years, I truly didn't know better and figured a vocabulary quiz, much like spelling, was enough. What ends up happening is that students will make 100% on a Friday quiz, but two weeks later, not know the meaning of a word when they see it in a different context. Some might even say that they have never seen the word before. This has really happened to me. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, you did. You, you, you just, you had it on your quiz like two weeks ago, but it hit me. Memorization isn't the solution for acquisition. And don't even get me started on spelling because 100% on that test would turn into a 0% when it came to using that word in context in their writing as well. Here is why memorization doesn't equate to vocabulary mastery. Memorizing a word is like knowing someone's name, but not their story. Remember a minute ago when students cram words for a test and forget them soon after? That is because rote memorization doesn't engage the brain's understanding and ability to make connections. For instance, a student might remember the definition of camouflage, but truly grasping its meaning requires seeing it in nature, using it in writing, and discussing its function. True mastery is when a student can use the word appropriately in various contexts, not just recite its meaning in isolation. Have you ever heard the phrase, context is king? There is a really good reason for it, and that's because contextual learning is crucial. I, for one, can definitely go take a ride, walk, whatever, stroll down memory lane, and I can definitely think back to several times I took something out of context because I was not comprehending the meaning 
that full meaning of a phrase or statement that was said to me. But let's keep this about the kids. Let's say that your student encounters the word arduous in isolation. It might feel abstract, even really confusing. Now place this word in a sentence. The mountain climb was arduous. Suddenly, the word takes shape, hinting at a challenging task. Something that is strenuous, difficult, taxing, exhausting. You can probably fill in a lot of synonyms for that word when we think about it. We arrive at this meaning because of our background knowledge, understanding, and interactions with mountain climbing. So in this instance, context breathes life into vocabulary, making really abstract terms for kids become more tangible. They can actually get to the point of touching it, feeling it, interacting with it. So it's important to make it a goal that the next time you introduce a word to students, weave it into stories, discussions, or provide a simple example so that this way of making vocabulary memorable and meaningful can be gifted to your students. I am briefly interrupting this episode to paint a picture for you. Imagine this, your students engaged, focused, smiling, laughing, eager to share, not even looking at the clock, and all of this because they are truly enjoying the craft of writing. This is a result when you begin disguising writing in a way where students have maximum buy-in, but don't even realize they're actually doing it. These daily writing disguise routines can be done in just 10 minutes or less each day and will increase stamina, build confidence, provide opportunities for writing skill practice, and will leave your students craving more. So who's ready to eliminate the moans, those groans, and maybe even tears? If that's you, go ahead and head to theliteracydive.com slash disguise to learn more about these daily writing disguise collections. I feel like I could go on and on and on, but this is going to be my last misconception I want to bring attention to today. When it comes to vocabulary, there is a world of difference between knowing a word and using a word. Think of it as the difference between having a beautiful instrument and actually playing that beautiful instrument. Let's briefly dive into passive versus active vocabulary. This is big. Passive vocabulary refers to words that students recognize when they read it or when they hear them, but active vocabulary, on the other hand, is the set of words that students confidently use in writing and in speaking. It's all about the application, which is a higher level skill than just remembering that word. Now, you know I love examples, so I'm going to give you an example of this. A student might understand elusive when they come across it in a story by using their context clues, but do they use that word to describe their pet cat's behavior at home? Elusive means difficult to catch or find, hard to track down. So trying to catch a cat, a mouse, or a fly is not easy because they are quick and elusive. They are tough to catch. Fish and rabbits are pretty speedy, so they are elusive too. So ensuring this transition from passive to active vocabulary is where the focus should be and where true vocabulary acquisition is achieved. 
And that is as simple as what I just did there. If you can think about ways to bring that word into conversation and offer students different ways to hear it, to apply it, to be able to interact and engage with it, it will end up becoming secondhand nature over time, and that is what we want. I have shared a lot today, but dispelling myths is important as a first step in any journey, but especially this journey of vocabulary mastery. And for that reason, I do want to go through some main points that I want to leave you with, and I just want to kind of recap what we discussed today. The main points to take away are that vocabulary needs more than just exposure. It needs intentional instruction with application as the end result. I want you to remember that context is king, meaning that words are best learned in meaningful contexts and not just in the action of reading. We really have to strive for vocabulary usage, not just memory and memorizing a list of words. We also need to find time to integrate vocabulary into stories, discussions, assignments, assessments. Honestly, it's really enjoyable and really engaging, and that is going to be a way that your students are going to start truly understanding the depths to what that word means. And we also must encourage students to actively seek out and apply these new words in day-to-day conversation, explanation, and in their writing. Now, last but certainly not least, I want you to remember that every single word is a gateway, a story, a tool. Let's ensure that students not only know these tools, but can use them with power and with confidence. Now, it's time to wrap up this episode, and as I do, I want to remind you of a vocabulary freebie that I have put together for you. You can find it at theliteracydive.com slash vocabulary, or you can use the link in the show notes, and it's going to be really, really wonderful for students who are in second through sixth grade. Now, it is inspirational quote time, and this week I actually heard or reheard a Chinese proverb that really resonated with me so much that I want to share it with you on this podcast. It states, if you are planning for a year, sow rice. If you are planning for a decade, plant trees. If you are planning for a lifetime, educate people. Knowledge is food for thought, and while food is perishable, thoughts persist. Broken down in my own personal interpretation, if you only have a short-term plan or goal, you should focus on something that will have immediate benefits. Planting rice is a good example of this, as a crop that can be harvested within a year. While the payoff for educating people might not be immediate, it has just as good or maybe even a better return over time as growing an annual food crop like sowing rice or even waiting for something over time like the growth from planting a tree. Education does not mean providing answers. It means equipping students with the means to find the answers for themselves and within themselves. Education empowers students to discover themselves and who they are as people because although it has not come to fruition, within each student is a doctor, an engineer, a teacher, a social activist, an environmentalist, a poet, an author. I could go on and on and on. You get the point. But you, as their teacher, get to play a role in supporting their talents and their wonders while teaching them life, social, and knowledge skills. Teachers are truly unmatched in terms of how far our influences can go. 
Thank you so much for diving into this topic on dispelling these myths and misconceptions about vocabulary with me. I look forward to chatting with you next week as we dive into vocabulary strategies and actionable ideas that you can put into place in your classroom to get this vocabulary acquisition happening. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to click that follow button so you never miss a new episode. And if you are enjoying what you hear, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend. Until the next episode, we can hang out over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive, and you can search The Daily Writing Disguise in your web browser to dive into a stockpile of creative writing activity collections created by me with student engagement in mind. For literacy resources and support, you can search The Literacy Dive on TPT. I'll catch you in the next episode.